Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to engage with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. When I was a kid, we watched this wonderful iconic movie titled Le Grand Bleu, or The Big Blue in English, if you prefer, starring Jean Renault and Jean-Marc Barre. It's the beautiful, poetic, and tragic story of the rivalry of what some would call a bond between two individuals who, through their chosen passion for freediving, were not just competitors, but also friends. I'm not going to give you a long synopsis. If you care to see what happens when talent meets obsession, while also fueled by the thirst to always push past your limits, just watch it. I bring this up because, for some reason, in trying to find the right words to properly introduce today's guest, I struggled. Not because the words would not come, but more because of this weird comparison that I could not shake off, as I truly thought this was an appropriate visual for today's particular exchange. I came across Xavier Delerue's truthfully incredible career as I was randomly playing a documentary on YouTube, and his name got mentioned in passing. I would not have paid much mind to it had it not been for two particular details. First, he's got a really cool name. Second, there's just something about surviving an avalanche that I find interesting. An established icon of extreme snowboarding, Xavier's love and skills for both powder and big mountain riding have achieved worldwide recognition. Indeed, as a three-time free ride champion, four-time border cross world champion, X Games border X champion, he boasts an incredible career spanning over decades. But please don't let the celebrity and notoriety fool you. Xavier has also used his voice to further the efforts towards addressing the climate crisis by hosting the Sustainability Dialogues podcast with Dr. Johan Rockström and is also a dedicated family man, something we touch on in the latter part of the episode. I am not an athlete, but I have an undeniable respect and appreciation for those individuals, the peak performers, who, in every sense of the word, are willing to lay it all out on the line for that one moment of unmistakable passion that gets them up in the morning. On this episode, and with a generosity I am immensely grateful for, Xavier shares his incredible insight on the real dangers of the sport that are often overlooked behind the rockstar image, the passion that keeps fueling him despite his already incredible journey, how skill and luck can coexist, trusting your gut, finding that moment of peace within our own lives, and so much more. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 153 with Xavier Delerue. Here we go. Uh, Xavier, of course, I want to thank you uh, for being part of this, uh, you know, really, really, really impromptu recording of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. As I told you, it was just one of those random circumstances, as I said, when the YouTube algorithm just launches a video up in your up in the air and just shows you, I see the title, How I Survived an Avalanche. Like, hello? Like, what? <laughs> so I didn't know about you, about your career whatsoever. But the more you dig down the rabbit hole, of course, when you have the honor to have such an accomplished trendsetter, just a trailblazer of, uh, of such an extreme sport, you know, such a delightful sport that is snowboarding. Hey, I live in Quebec and I, you know, coming from Haiti, you would think that, okay, I've been trying at least to go snowing or something. No, I, I don't skate. I don't ski. I don't snowboard. My only experience with snow is basically taking my kids out just to go luge and to shovel snow up 
my driveway. I've said this, but, you know, for people like you to show me the exact opposite of what can be done, you know, we're laughing. But, you know, of course, I have to tip my hat to all your achievements. Of course, again, a very heartfelt thank you and welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast. Really, thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks. It's a great pleasure to being here. And um, you have a great excuse because <laughs> where you live, uh, you don't have the peaks to do what I do. <laughs> cover what, like 3,000, uh, 2,000 miles maybe? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah like, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, you know snow, at least you know cold, so there's going to be a bit <laughs> of knowing. Uh, it's, a do, experience. Yeah. it's a good experience. It's a good initiation. Maybe, we talked about this before, like, yeah, my sport is, uh, is intense, and I think there's a lot to say about it, even if uh, you're not really completely familiar with uh, the activity of it because yeah it has a bit of a crazy side with um which yeah raises a lot of questions on um yeah what i did want to get into though just a quick comparison because it did um it did one question that was rummaging around in my head before the recording as we were leading up to uh to this appointment the thing is uh of course, I um from the most extreme sport I can do myself, I because I started uh, doing some Spartan racing before confinement, obviously. And so not racing, sorry? Uh, Spartan, Spartan racing, basically a Spartan race. It's like an obstacle oh, yeah, course Spartan. race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I've been doing it for a couple Pretty of cool. years. And one thing that really, basically, you know, made it something that I really do enjoy is at the point where you reach the top of the mountain, especially here in Quebec, we have such beautiful forests and mountains and peaks and stuff. And when you get to the top of the mountain and you're like, you look at nature and you look at the, 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 the valleys and you look at the beauty of what Mother Nature has allowed. I know I'm getting all woo-woo, but I transpose that to you when you're at the top of the mountain and we're just about to kick off and I'm sure you have those moments of isolation and, and, you know, just taking it in. And I just would you like, you would like you to basically take us there. What does it feel like to be with the mountain and just you? And is there that moment of Zen that was just like, man, we're so lucky to be able to be experiencing this. So what does it feel like, you know, that, that moment when you're all alone up there? Well, it's very funny you say that because um, you don't know my sport. And you just picked up the one moment that explains everything in a way. And to me, you know, like very often I get the question like, okay, what's your favorite moment? What's like your favorite memory? And always what comes to my mind is the, this exact moment where I'm standing at the top of my line and you've got the whole landscape and you feel the strength and the power of everything around you. Like I think, you know, the mountains can be beautiful, but in winter with the right light, you know, when you're at the top of a peak and everything is wintry, calm and, and really wild, it's just magic. And, and of course, there's something really magic that happens. And, and it kind of validates everything that we do, all the good sides and bad sides. And it actually transcends. Yeah, I don't know how to say because uh, at that moment, usually when we get there, we've spent already quite a lot of time working on the descents that we're going to be doing. It's probably been quite a hassle uh, and really hard work and, and already quite a lot of risks involved to get to the top. Mm-hmm. We've already you know worked a lot through so many technical details to, you know, um, yeah, find the way up in a way, like, mm-hmm. like see how possible it is, like gone through the dangers and everything. We've studied the line, what could go wrong, what could go well. Uh, and usually when we're there, it's like we validated everything and we're about to drop. So there's a bit of tension, but at the same time, you're so much into your head, into your zone. 
And um, yeah, I think this is the most special moment of all. That's that. See, the fact that I hear you talking, it's like a well orchestrated performance because just hearing you talk about all that has to happen for you just to get there. And for those of us who are totally uninitiated, you know, from the day you decide, okay, I'm going to go up that mountain. So what is it that you have to consider? You know, you just have to consider transport, who's going to go with you, your film crew, helicopters. Because I know there's a lot going on in the background. But for those of us who don't know, just paint us a picture of everything that has to go right just to get you up there. Yeah, it's, there can be a lot and it depends the way uh, of transportation you're going to use. It could be very easy sometimes if you're on a ski resort and you just go on the side of the piece just to climb this little peak. But most of the time, we, of course, choose the ones that are way out there. We go to Antarctica, we go to Alaska, we we, we would fly planes for a few days, like for um, a few hours, camp for uh, for a few weeks in the wild and choose these peaks and have to get up at two o'clock in the morning to start oh, climbing wow. it to get the right light in the face, uh, you know, and climb for maybe like sometimes up to 12 hours or something to get to the top. So, um, yeah, it really depends, but usually there's a lot of work and a lot of danger involved and also a lot of uh, thoughts and, um, yeah, it does not always uh, go through in a way. Cause you know, you should know, um, because we're definitely, we're not going to skip over that. But, um, out of everything, before I ask the question, of course, everybody's waiting on, but out of everything, all the snow sports in the world, you know, you could go racket, racketing, you could go skiing, you know, could just go, I don't know, just skating. Why did you pick snowboarding out of all, out of everything? What, what, what did that start for you? I think it started, well, I grew up in a ski resort when I was a kid and I started skiing and snowboarding. I don't, well, skiing felt like an old sport in a way. The mentality was really stuck in, in really a, a kind of a bit of a boring kind of ways. Mm-hmm. And in snowboarding, I, I got really lucky actually, basically, because all my friends and I and my, my bigger brother did snowboarding. Okay. Uh, like in a really gentle level, like without any, um, like eagles or anything. And, and we got this guy who took us over and, and like, he kind of started to teach us snowboarding, but he taught us so much more than that. Like he was like quite a bit crazy. Well, he still is because he's still, he's still, he's still um, around. Um, yeah. And, but he had such good energy and he really taught us how to be crazy, how to see the mountain in a completely different way. Like seeing so many more possibilities than what we had seen before in skiing. And um, with our personalities, you know, he was really teaching us to, want something to dare to want to get stuff like to dare to become better to to dare to try things to be crazy but at the same time to work hard and um, yeah he's basically not only given me you know that incredible passion of snowboarding but it's also he's also in, like inspired me for the rest of my life like and he set the person that i am yeah oh wow I, I read, uh, I was uh, listening to a previous interview you gave a couple of years back, and uh, those words that you used uh, really came from a very heartfelt place where you're talking about, I am con- I am always in a constant state of evolution. So mm-hmm. I was wondering if you still believe that and how that resonates for you in regards to, um, are we ever satisfied or are we always looking to get better? Where do you fall on that? Because it's well, a very powerful thing. I think it depends on people <laughs> and in sports, you know, uh, I think a lot of sports and a lot of people, you know, are really happy to just 
perform, you know, to the like biggest perfection, their, their sport, their move, you know, like they're going to be doing that like throughout their whole career, throughout like 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for me, snowboarding has been really fitting my personality because uh, I quickly get bored. So I need to experience new things, learn, feel that I, I learn new things. Uh, otherwise, you know, like I'm not the type of guy that is going to just work over and over and over and over again on the same thing. So I think snowboarding has been great because it has allowed me to really evolve through that. Uh, not only as a passionate snowboarder, you know, like doing all kinds of disciplines in snowboarding, putting them together, taking them into the mountains. And then in the mountains, you know, for years I've been competing and really focusing on the performance. And then I've been using my snowboard to travel, to go on expeditions around the world, to Antarctica, to, to, um, Alaska to Japan to to many places all, all over the world and uh, and after that also I've had the chance to kind of use it also to uh, to mix it with different sports like with paragliding to ex- like to access lines and things and there's always been this yeah evolution that you talk about which has been so important to me because yeah because yeah every time you know like after 20 30 years Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially if you do something dangerous after a while it's uh hard to justify why you're still doing it you know like there there will for sure be some moments where you're going to be like okay i am at the top of this line i am risking my life you know some days you really feel connected with that idea you're fine you know because you really want it but some days you're like why am i doing this and then uh whenever you bring something new like you call it an evolution and uh, and i think that's the word i would use you know, you, um, you, you know, there is a, yeah, there, there is a annuity always uh, in, in what you're doing and, and it makes it really cool and it makes it a great reason to keep going, to keep experiencing and to keep evolving. And, and I really love it. And I feel really, um, fortunate to have, a yeah, to, to have such a sport, like to be, to be fond of such a cool sport, which allows me to develop myself so much. I think we can all we can all resonate with that in regards to no matter whether it's snowboarding, whether it's writing a book, whether it's whatever fuels your passion, I believe that you should never be content. That's just for me. Because you know what? There are, as you said, people who are okay with just doing this one thing and okay, I did it and then they're good. But there are all mm-hmm. those category of people who will follow their passion to its greatest extent, you know. And you have to understand that there, that is not a bad thing as well, because why wouldn't you want to seek better or best? You know, a lot of people say excellence doesn't exist, but you can try. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, I guess I'm not sure how you interpret it, but sometimes throughout the conversation I've had, unfortunately, I have to deal with maybe fear, you know, being fear of being that good or maybe fear of failure. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we have to wrestle with that. And sometimes, you know, you have to come to face to face with, do you want it bad enough or not? You know, and I was, you know, in regards to you and your career, you know, um, have you felt that that cons has it always been there? You know, just wanting because with all that you've achieved, with all that you've done, you know, do you ever stop and say like, OK, you know what? I'm good <laughs> with all the achievements and the championships and all the, all these things that you've done for the, for, for your sport, because you are an inspiration in a lot of circles, but do you ever stop and, you know, take a step back and pull the bricks and say like, you know what? I think I'm good. I've done enough, you know, and you know what? Let's call it a day. 
Yeah, it has happened many times, actually, because um, the problem uh, of my sport is that uh, it's pretty dangerous. And the snow it's is an element where, you know, it's not about, it's not necessarily about you, you know, falling down the mountain, you making, tripping over, you know, you making a mistake. Uh, it can very, well, very often, you know, it's going to be, very random that there's going to be this slab or, or this little avalanche or this Syrac falling, you know, the danger can come from so many places and it's, it can be uh, so unpredictable, even, you know, as experienced you can be, it can really trick you. And that, that makes it uh, a bit difficult. So sometimes, and especially like, for example, like, like this week, having lost a friend, uh, you know, you, you ask yourself, okay, like, uh, yeah, like, why do, what do I want more from this sport? You know, like, uh, why do I do this sport? There's so many other sports, which are so fun, which are, you know, where I'm really learning a lot of things and, and, and experiencing great connection with nature. And I'm not taking such ridiculous risk and uh, why I'm not just doing that. And um, yeah, honestly, ever since the beginning of my career, because like, I've lost a lot of friends uh, through the way, and every time I've I've gone through that very question, and and uh, yeah, every time you know I've been letting time pass by and go back into it a bit wiser somehow, uh, like having learned a bit from those situations. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it's never gone to the point where I was like, okay, that's it, I'm gonna go and uh, start. Uh, ice skating or something like that. <laughs> I hope not. You're too much of a badass. I don't I really don't see how that's gonna go. <laughs> but well, you know what? Knows? Maybe it'll come. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. You never know. Hey, you know, I tried golf once. I said I'll never do it again, but hey, you know, you you, you pick and choose. Because you, you, you only have one life. Um yeah. and that, you know, just leading up to it, um when I when I got off the video, uh where you basically, you know, give us uh, a bullet point. And guys, if you haven't seen uh the video, basically I will link it up, you know on the blog post for the recording after when this when this goes live because you guys really need to go uh through Xavier's own account you know point by point as to what went wrong uh on uh March uh, March 28th of 2008 it's already been a really long time but I'm mm -hmm. sure it must be a very vivid memory for you but as as I hit you up on the email and I told you really the fact that you're still here with us is already a blessing uh so it's already again if you believe in the highest spirit or whatever of just coincidence so we're happy that you're still here but I the question just begs to ask you just survived an avalanche. Why the hell would you get back on? And I believe that's the border between passion and lunacy. I don't know, you know, but just for the normal guy, just asking the question, why the hell would you go back? No, it's a very good question because for sure my first reaction at the hospital after I woke up from after the, the whole incident was um, it was clear in my head that I was going to just stop and that this sport was ridiculous. And um like yeah, I stayed in the hospital for a few days, and uh, and I remember being shocked at myself after uh, after probably two three days being out there on my window and watching at the peaks. You know, like it was all sunny and they were full of snow, and I was just reading lines on the peaks, and and I really surprised my, you know caught myself reading lines. I was like, really, you're doing this after what happened to you? Oh god, you must really like it. And it really came like a realization that. Uh, that even though, you know, very often I would be kind of uh, uh, bitching, sorry about the word. But no, take your time. About, it's an about, open forum. About the sport, you know, complaining, being like, oh, I'm, I'm tired of this, this, that in the sport. I was like, oh, man, you really like it. And, um, 
you know, it was, uh, you know, sometimes it's good, you know, like, cause you're in the routine, you just uh, do something and you don't have time to you really assess what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a bit my chance, my chance. Cause it gave me a chance to pause, to be like, okay, should I quit? Like, uh, is this completely ridiculous or not? And I had in like in front of me probably eight months until the, the following winter where I could really, you know, think, think, uh, think things over and um, assess how I could do it in a way, if I really wanted to do it or not. And it, and it was obvious to me that I wanted to and that I could find a way to to have a better procedure when I would go out there. So I kind of decided to use it as a, you know, as the best lesson of my life in a way, as the, you know, like after that, you know, in free riding, basically the hardest thing uh, I find mm-hmm. uh, it is uh, to turn back because, it is so magical, so amazing. The feeling is so good. You know, it's so intense. Uh, but sometimes you have one or two bad signs, uh, you know, which tell you that something bad could happen and, and you just need to to turn back. But you've done all this effort. You've probably climbed that peak. You've probably waited for weeks and weeks. It's probably maybe you're one week of the year riding powder or something. And you just need to say, oh, there's this beautiful run in front of me, just waiting for me to, you know, to to put my my line into it. And no, I'm just uh, gonna go home, and uh, well, just gonna go back to the to the tracked um, piece or whatever. So um, this is hard, but having having gone through that avalanche, you know, kind of. Um, uh, yeah, you, you you know, like just thinking about it, it was it's been always the you know, given me the best reason to to turn back and to take that decision to being able to be strong enough to be like, okay, bum. No, it doesn't smell good. It doesn't feel good. So you need to turn back and come back another day. Yeah. So in your own words, you said it, you know, you need to leave your ego, you know, at home or at the bar. Uh, because yeah. unfortunately that is the fine line between, you know, having a great ride or unfortunately having an unfortunate, uh, you know, permanent incident. And, um, sometimes we wrestle with that, you know, not just in snowboarding, cause a lot of people hear your words and I'm certainly taking notes because you can compare that to anything in life. Sometimes mm-hmm. you want something bad enough and then you realize, you know, there's that kick of instinct that tells you, you know what? call it off or like this is this doesn't feel right and you're Mm -hmm. saying that these instincts are not just made up you know you should really trust your instincts yeah yeah you should really trust them uh but at the same time you know sometimes you can get tricked because uh you know i always call it the good and bad fear in a Mm -hmm. way because i always feel that you need to go through both to take a decision Uh, and that you need to being able to 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 kind of play with it to interfere with it to to know like whenever it's like the good one like so so the good fear which makes you scared for the right reasons or the one that just makes you scared because it's a scary situation and it Mm -hmm. makes your brain uh go crazy and your emotions take over in the wrong way i mean uh so um, yeah it's it's a bit of a tricky one Uh, and some days uh yeah you're gonna like feel a great connection with it and some days you're not gonna know, know what to think but the problem is that in the in the mountain it can be so brutal that when in doubt you know you should just uh, listen anyways and and uh, usually it's rare that you're going to be disappointed in the, in the long run <laughs> um just asking you um 
in that situation, and just to address a portrait for people who are probably in the winter sports and you know just someone having gone coming back from the other end. Because again, I don't know the the entire world, but when an avalanche happens, okay, just if we're just thinking about that day, was this just a freak accident? What what caused it? Or do we know? It's like, what is the actual, you know, what what caused it? And how basically were you caught in the hailstorm? Because you're just sliding down and then you have like, you know, mountains of snow coming after you. But what happened exactly? Do yeah, we well, to tell you the whole story, uh, first of all, that avalanche was not just an avalanche. It was like the avalanche. It was like the, the thing which you talk about, which never happens and which happened that day. Basically, the whole mountain went down into an avalanche on me and took me down a mile and a half down the mountain. So I don't know if you realize. Aye. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like over 3,000 foot vertical uh, and, and a mile and a half. So it's like crazy, crazy, crazy. So you're being dragged. Yeah, like completely. And normally an avalanche like this just carries so much snow that even without... Uh, talking of the fact of suffocating or anything like way before the avalanche stops uh, you're already dead because you've been crushed by so many mass like such masses of snow and honestly it's uh, like there's no reason why uh, like I did not die that day and uh, yeah I went to see a bit of a like uh, like we call her the magic lady here it's a like kind of um I don't know how you say that. Like she heals. She's a healer a bit. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. She told me that I was dead and, and that I came back to life. And well, she told me a lot of really interesting things. So I'm not going to go through them because it's a bit personal and like, no, I totally understand. I totally understand. It, but like, wow, it was uh, so intense, so powerful and, and so crazy. And it helped me a lot to understand. And um, yeah, basically that day, you know, we had been doing really steep runs all morning, uh, you know, like a lot more um, kind of exposed and intimidating descents like mm -hmm. the whole day. And uh, that one was um, kind of towards the end of the day, you know, much easier, much more mellow. Uh, and so I like I made um, like the huge mistake to just underestimate it completely because it was uh, more mellow like than what we'd done before. And uh, so I went without taking the usual procedures of, um, you know, like we, we always have a routine of set, sitting before the lines and studying them and seeing what the risk is and, and like finding ways out in case uh, slabs happen. So slabs mean like small avalanches mm -hmm. and, and uh, which can set off a big one after. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I underestimated like that, went into it without preparing and basically went things started to to go wrong uh the only thing i could do is panic and straight like that land down or whereas if i would have prepared well i could have just ducked on the side and uh hid and just let everything go and it would have been fine but uh yeah it was really hard that it would go that big because this never happens this practically never happen. happens and, uh, yeah you can i think it's important to see the video because the video explains it really well yeah i see that and i just see you and then for some i just see you one second sliding down i see that massive amount of snow and then at the yeah. second like you're gone i'm like what I yeah just... it's basically at the beginning i do my first turn Onto a big pocket of snow, so an accumulation of snow, which I could I should have uh, seen if I took a bit more time. 
But yeah, I, I made a big turn on it, released it. So that's called a slab. So it's not a huge okay. avalanche, but it's like maybe um, a 60 foot wide or something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all, all around me breaking, but you have enough speed to get out. And uh, because I didn't know what to do, I straight light down. Okay. And the weight of that slab, when it came down to the, like to the bottom of the slope, made everything explode around me. So like the whole uh, slope kind of release uh and, and just go down and and just drag me down so like wherever i could watch i could only see the snow cracking and oh. um and I, I could see that there was no way out so i pulled my avalanche airbag and then i knew i was gonna go for a crazy crazy ride yeah wow and, so so there are so how when that happens when when unfortunately when the snow settles how how do the emergency responders how do they find you, find you exactly do you have a transponder or something I'm just asking well, well they're called transceivers but okay you know in in such a big avalanche even a transceiver you know you'd be so lucky for them to find you in time because uh, I don't know if you see the amount of boulders of snow that there would be with a with a mile and a half avalanche. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. I can only imagine. And, and so it's like, when I think when you go through an avalanche that has gone, you realize how tough it is to make uh, 100 meters, you know, to walk 100 meters, mm-hmm. like through the boulders uh, and to find someone. So like we had a helicopter filming us that day. And the helicopter was in the air when it happened and it, it followed me and lost me in the avalanche and the helicopter could not find me. And, uh, and it's only by a big, big luck that the helicopter thought they saw me at the, like towards the bottom. So mm-hmm. one of the, like my friend who was filming with me, the, the other rider, he came down and, and he just kept going all the way till the end of the slide. And he found me by mistake, but I was like uh, already completely strangled by my helmet with a face in the snow. I was on top of six meters of snow. Oh boy. And uh, yeah. And um, yeah. Like, that is... I, you know, I already, already had the tongue all sw- uh, swollen, the eyes popped out. Yeah, it was. Ah. Yeah. Wow, I can't even imagine. I can't so, even imagine. Yeah, it was so incredible, like you know, the like the combinations of luck where just uh, they don't make sense. Yeah, it just it's it begs saying it just wasn't your time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah. just yeah, was yeah, yeah, not yeah. your time. Yeah, I really yeah. truly believe this. It just wasn't your time, man. Yeah. I'm taking a yeah. second. I'm I'm actually shaking just imagining it, just hearing you talk about it. You know, even years later. It's mm-hmm. it's an amazing thing, and you say you've uh, you've unfortunately you unfortunately lost a friend uh, just this past week, and again I'm really truly sorry. And for those of us listening in, um, you know, just again not just for snowboarders, but we're going to specific specifically talk about the sport itself. Yeah, you can be passionate; it's a beautiful thing. As you talk about nature, connection, you know, f- you know, uh, surpassing your limits, exploring, and you know, just going after your your dream and this thing that you love doing. But your passion also can be very dangerous and it can have a very dire cost. And, you know, just talking about that, what are, what are the, the things that are often overlooked and how, what are the safety measures that people can take, you know, and what would you tell us, you know, for people just, you know, out there, you know, just sliding, but you have to take precautions. Well, yeah, well, there we have to be specific. It's not just snowboarding. It's like it's really off-piste uh, skiing and snowboarding mm-hmm. uh, because 
the gear has evolved a lot in the last decade and now it makes it really easy even if you don't have a really good level of snow even if you're a beginner you can go and enjoy powder in a super easy way and like everyone has seen a lot of incredible footage of powder flying and the feeling is the best feeling in the world uh, but the problem is that all the learning process doesn't fit um, you know with how easy it is to enjoy it so the problem is that you know as soon as there's a big storm there's going to be a sunny day and everyone who is lucky enough to be there is going to be just so excited and including myself and it's just going to be so hard to just resist and let the snow settle and see how it evolves and and try to ask uh you know professionals where to go uh, and etc you know in, in europe it's not like north america where uh, especially in the u.s where you know like ski patrols will open areas uh like slowly and, and usually they've secured everything and things here it's like it's considered as a mountain sport and you've got the freedom to go and take the risk that you want as long as you don't put any other people in danger. Okay. Which means that like in the resorts, like especially here at Verbier, you're allowed to just go out there, do the craziest things that, that you want. And and uh yeah, like very often uh, yeah, after a snowfall, it's gonna be um it's gonna it's gonna be very easily very sketchy and it's gonna require a lot of experience and even with experience you could do mistake and uh yeah we've seen it this weekend with our friend he was really good he was he's been riding here for 15 years really knows you know this is really um the place where he had the accident is really one place where we go all the time and this one time it was a bit dangerous it's true but like it went like the there's a slide which went in in a in a place and in a in a dimension which we so did not well we've never seen that and and it happened right that moment for him and yeah took him over some cliffs and things and yeah because wow. wow. it's been terrible but the problem is that yeah people don't realize that dark side of the coin and how dark it is and uh, yeah i've been trying you know like because I've been feeling a bit guilty for so many years to try to inspire people to love it, to go out there, to to discover free riding, to enjoy it, and uh, and at the same time, I feel that I really have the responsibility to to tell how crazy it can be and how awful and how yeah horrible. Like I think there's not bad enough word on like because when the situation happens. You know, you don't understand how, you know, five minutes before it was the best day of your life and now it's the worst. It's, it's just, the worst. Uh, it just happens too quickly. And, uh, yeah, you're not ready. Like, and even me talking about it all the time, like phew, the other day, it was just so tough to have your brain working to comprehend what's happening and to, uh, you know, to act in the right way to make uh, all the safety procedures happen and everything. But, yeah, ah, it's... um. Yeah, it, it, it's a tricky sport, like really. Yeah, Maybe. I can imagine because yeah. you know, because I guess sometimes uh, I, I don't. Well, I was trying. To, I'm trying to phrase this properly. I guess sometimes when even as experienced as you are, you understand that you know there's risk and you know the there is the reality of as much fun as it is. You know, you know, there's a very real danger here and you have to come to terms with your own disposition as to how much risk you're willing to take 
you know, and how much, okay, how much it means to you. And sometimes mm-hmm. you you also understand, and I'm sure you've had these, these moments, you know, where, like I said, you know, when you're just about to jump off and you're just going to slide down that, you know what, I might crash or, you know, I might have all the preparation, as you said, you know, whether through your own avalanche or unfortunately with your friend, we understand that, you know what, this passion or this purpose that we set for ourselves and there's a very real risk involved. And, you know, for, as a parent, you know, do you ever uh, often t- find yourself tell- telling yourself like, okay, maybe, maybe I don't want my kids snowboarding or I don't want my kids, you know, just doing here. Like, are you going to go that far as to say, okay, nobody should do it? Or do you just have to be very aware of the dangers as much as, you know, as much fun as it is, you know, the, the dangers is there and you can't really, you can't, it's always going to be there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's always going to be there. And, and like, in a way, the more you do the sport, and the more the years pass by and the more you see things and the more you realize that actually you thought you knew, but you don't. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned um, the fact of, yeah, as a parent, how, how do you feel about the fact of having your children going and, and, and like, you know, considering if it's just the right option to be like, okay, no, you're not going to do this sport because it's, uh, you, you know, forbid it because it's uh it's dangerous because yeah, like honestly, like in the last few days, this is something that crosses my mind. And I remember when my daughter was younger, so I've got two daughters, like now is two, uh, one is two and the other one is 15. Okay. So, but when my 15 year old daughter was uh, younger, I thought I didn't want her to start free riding because uh, yeah, I would not be able to handle it and to, to feel uh, like scared for when she would go up there and to trust her. But uh but having been in the mountains with her, I've been really amazed how she was reacting and she really gave me confidence. And now she's with a really good group, you know, where they go with mountain guys every weekend and they learn and then they, they do they go and build kickers and they ride lines. They do technique, they do a, really a lot and they learn so much. And I think that it is uh, quite a blessing in a way as well to being able to, uh, to learn in the proper way. And if you do it in the proper way, things can go wrong but at the same time, you can limit a lot, uh, you know, the consequences. And, and uh, you know, when you live in the mountain and you grow in the mountains, you know that, okay, you're when you're out there doing whatever sport you do, like mountain biking, climbing, mountaineering, flying, paraglides, you know, you're, you're, you know that all the things that you like, they're a bit dangerous and that the accidents can happen and, and you're fine with it. But uh but you get to understand also that there is, um, you know, a way to learn about them, to be patient about them, uh, to to have the the right humility in front of the mountain, which, uh, you know, like hopefully will make you go through mistakes and and, and bad luck in a way. You have to yeah. deal with it. You have to you yeah. know, take it. It's a it's a give and take, and you have to be able to you know open it up and you know be be comfortable with the fact that you know what it's going to be okay and you know what if it if it doesn't you also have to be you know open to that as well man mm-hmm. it's so, so much truth so much truth uh but you know it's it's very inspiring to hear you talk so openly and candidly and again i'm i i was very open even before we hit record that you know whether we were going to touch on the subject or not but really thank you for trusting us you know to tell your story and then you know just enlightening us to the very realities of the risk that we can take in whatever activity we take but specifically with snowboarding it's i'm learning a lot 
Um, I also wanted to touch on just pivoting a little bit uh, with uh, your podcast you recorded with uh, Dr. Johan Rockström, um, mm-hmm. the sustainability dialogues, and it really allowed me to take into take into account the fact that you know yeah snowboarding fun you knows winter sports and stuff but also we have a direct relationship because we've been talking about mother nature with direct relationship to our impact on the planet and us as human beings you know it's through your conversation that we realize that you know what everything we do and as much as okay just taking a helicopter to go to the top of the peak you know just for me just going my only day to day activity that has a very serious impact and those are the kinds of things that, you know, you are basically at the forefront of letting us understand there's a very real impact that we're having on the planet. And what has been basically the shift that you've seen? Are there some progress that's being made, you know, just to have a better relationship, you know, whether through the sports or how ski resorts are handling or how many people they allow? Or what are some things that, you know, that what did you what are the biggest takeaways you've gotten from these conversations with the sustainability dialogues because it's very very informative what did you want to do it and uh, what's been the biggest takeaways for you uh well basically i don't know if you know johan rockstrom but he's the head of the potsdam institute so he's been the one who's been uh, uh drafting all the uh, uh, paris agreements on climate so he advises all the heads of state and he's a big big deal and very randomly, he happens to be the friend of a friend here in Verbi. And I went, he loves free riding and he came uh, a few times and we rode together and we've been having an amazing time in the mountain riding some couloirs and touring. And he's been telling me, uh, you know, like about uh, all his knowledge, you know, on, on climate and everything. And as a, you know, I've always been really connected to nature. But uh, I never wanted to, you know, I've always been careful also in my life about, you know, the way I was consuming and things. But at the same time, still, you know, living normally and traveling a lot uh, through my job as a snowboarder for competitions, for uh, sponsors and everything. And I felt always um, that I was, yeah, kind of guilty and that I was not really worth uh, talking about it and that I didn't have the right to to tell people what to do or anything. And he, you know, like the way he's been, you know, I went to one of his um, talks, basically, where he explained, uh, you know, the situation we're in with uh, global warming, especially because it's his biggest subject. And he says it's the biggest priority as well. And the way he's got to talk about it in such a simple way made me want to, like, know a lot more. Uh, and, and I really like the fact that, you know, to me before, uh, like, uh, you know, it was not about, you know, uh, how, how much better you could be, but how good you are or how bad you are, you know, and like every time you do something, you do a bit of an effort, but then someone is going to tell you, oh yeah, but this is bad because you should do it like this or like that. You know, it's such a touchy subject and, you know, listening to him, it was just like, Hey man, like, honestly, like, okay, we're in a really bad situation with the climate, mm-hmm. uh, but there is a solution. And uh, the solution is not, okay, that we go and stop everything. You know, we go and live in the woods and uh, we stop buying anything. And that's what I got from him. Yeah. The plants that are out there and we never take a car again. You know, he's a lot more pragmatic and, and, and he really advises that we, we, we can still live in the same way, but like if we all do a bit of effort and then if we do um, improve all the time and if we start to get that kind of mentality in our heads, 
you know, things could shift eventually. And that's where it comes from, you know, to, uh, um, to take down 10% of your uh, global, like to your carbon emissions every, every uh, year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, that's where it comes from in, in the Paris Agreement because I think he says that it, it is enough and he tells you examples that are going to fit with your life, which makes you, uh, which makes, uh, you know, which makes things in, uh, go into the right direction. But to me, really, it's been a, a game changer in the fact that, you know, it completely changed my mind. Okay, I don't need to judge myself. I don't need to be uh, uh, the perfect guy, the perfect guy. I just need to just try to get better all the time and make it suit with my lifestyle. Okay, in some parts, I'm going to be really bad, but then in some others, I'm going to be really good and... And my neighbor is going to be completely different. And, and that has been amazing. And so uh, I decided to make a project with him where I was going to go basically to the poles because a lot of his theories are based on the poles and the ice. And, you know, it's quite a big element for me uh, with, with what I do. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I would go in these places and really try to understand for myself and try to share that with the people which would watch my films and being inspired by the beauty of nature through the snowboarding, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and like kind of, yeah, we had a, this huge project um, based around all that, which did not happen. So eventually we transformed some of the interviews that we did with Johan into this uh, uh, sustainability dialogue so that people could get something out of it because um, this guy is so fascinating. It's and by great. the way, I really encourage you if you, if you want to go, uh, just go and find uh, his talks. Uh, he's got a few TED Talks and, and other platforms as well. I definitely will. Like, yeah, super easy to understand, super factual, and yeah, not judgmental, and yeah, super inspiring. So yeah, that's, what right I got from it. Really. that's definitely what I got from it because, you know, you, you spend so much time looking at all these international talks with all these uh, pundits and telling you, okay, all right, no, you stop eating this or stop eating that, stop producing, stop cars, stop everything. And just hearing, uh, Dr. Irhan just talk about it, say like, no, okay, sure. You want to cut down you no know, carbon emissions? Like, okay, let's go. Even he, the way he dresses it is such in a very dumb human, very simple mindset. Okay. Take a look at what you're doing and just mm-hmm. change this one little thing i don't need you to stop and turn off all your lights as you said go just go live mm-hmm. in a cave because that's not the solution because we still have to function you know yeah. even the episode you guys did on transport and he said it himself okay yeah transport is responsible for at least 15 percent of carbon emissions but okay it's also the biggest one of the biggest it's a vital industry it has to happen but we can you know do different type of things it's it's such an insightful thing but i will i will link up the episodes um uh because the guys really need to check it out but it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun i just want to congratulate you guys on this the, a very very cool series of exchanges it re- it's a lot of fun well, he did all the job. <laughs> in there and, uh, yeah, like as the dumb snowboarder, and he was really in, enlightening me. And yeah, there's always something to learn. To there's share that, yeah, always something to learn. I'm very respectful of the clock. I'm not going to keep you, Xavier, but again, I'll just take two seconds of pause. Uh, again, thank you so much for your trust and uh, just being here. Uh, just exchanged this very random impromptu conversation on the podcast. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, probably going to take up snowboarding or, you know, just have a little, you know, just peek inside the mind of a champion and an accomplished, accomplished individual. Again, 
you know, being again, sorry for your loss, but also very happy that you survived that avalanche and teaching us a lot about how the precautions that we can take, you know, every day, just stepping out of our doors. You don't know what can happen, but you know what? You know, life is meant to be experienced. And that's also what I got uh, from from your wonderful account. Uh, that, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful world out there. You need to go out there and experience it. And again, I want, just want to thank you uh, for being in the podcast. It's a, it's a really an honor. Thank you very much, Olivier. It's been very inspiring and I really enjoyed sharing that. And I hope, yeah, you can get, um, like everyone can get inspired because yeah, I think just getting out there is super important, but yeah, it, it needs it a bit, little bit of, um, um, yeah, there's a little bit of a way to take. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a running tradition on the podcast. Just, it's not uh, putting you on the spot. It's just leaving you, just leaving the floor open to the guests. Just, you know, a, a fun thought, a kind quote, uh, a website, either uh, a motivational, you know, little quote that you might have. Anything a person can wake up tomorrow morning and, you know, just remember that. Take that next step towards that next level. Anything you want to leave the listeners with? No, I, I used to always say, yeah, like, go big or go home. Like, we used to always say that with my friends. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. But now it feels uh, it feels very wrong this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No issues. No issues. But if the listeners want to connect with you uh, on the interwebs, any place we can we can uh, go directly to find the morning content, or people will connect with you directly? Yeah, you can uh, have a YouTube channel. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, right now there there are a lot of um, tutorials on snowboarding, on how to manage fear, how to handle the mountain, and all that world of free riding. It's like YouTube slash uh, how to XV, mm-hmm. and okay. then uh, yeah, on my Instagram Xavier Delorue or on the Facebook, you can find a lot of content there, and it will direct you into some different videos there. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. I'll definitely link it up. Guys, my guest, Xavier Delorue, accomplished snowboarder, trendsetter, an amazing individual. Guys, please do check out all his content, YouTube channel, Instagram. He said it himself, but I will link up all the information and all the appropriate links for the episode. Thanks again for being part of the journey. As always, check us out, awakentheawesome at gmail.com for the contacts. Guys, thank you so much for being part of this journey. Stay blessed, stay safe, have a beautiful day, and stay awesome. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.